Hey guys, welcome to the One Life Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today and we hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Enjoy the message. This month's topic is worship. I've titled my message today, God is worthy to be praised. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, in the first four verses say this, Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song, on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my saviour. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18 and verse 3, the last says the same thing as verse 4 there. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 150 and verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Okay? Everything that has breath, everything that's breathing. To me, the most easily recognisable form of worship is hands lifted high as we sing. and uh, But... Obviously, that's not the only way to worship God. Lifting hands while singing can be an outward expression of an inward feelings to God or could just be a religious exercise out of habitual training. Either way, there's more to our worship of God. Our whole life, every part, every aspect needs to be in honour of Him. Everything that we do. I'm not knocking lifting hands in worship because I do that myself. I was doing it all day, all morning. But the thing is, Sometimes there's, that, that can be the outward expression of our love for God. But also there needs to be that inward expression as well. Every part of our life, everything we do, everything we say, you know, our forgiveness, our love for someone else, our kindness towards someone else, our giving, everything, everything that we are, everything that we do is part of our worship of the living God. Or if it's not, it should be because he's called us to be worshippers of him. And... Uh, Public worship is futile if done without sincerity of heart and a desire to live wholeheartedly for God. That needs to be our desire, to live wholeheartedly for God. Part of our worship is acknowledgement of who we've become in Jesus. We praise God for his grace and his love to change us. That's part of worshipping God. Like Will was saying, you can be feeling down. You can be feeling, you know, yuck or whatever the word is. You can be feeling, you know, not very very good about yourself or about everybody else or about situations and as you begin to praise God those things start to drop off as you begin to agree with the word of God start declaring the best thing to praise God with is is with his word start declaring start agreeing with God not agreeing with our situation not agreeing with our circumstances but agreeing with the word of God and then things start to grow dim things start to drop off and then we start to, you know, be who we are in God, being, you know, men and women of the Spirit that He's called us to be. And uh, I want to turn to Matthew chapter 5, reading from verse 13. Matthew chapter 5. It's really verse 16 that I want to get to, but the preceding verses sort of go hand in hand with it. So we'll start in 13. Verse 13, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavour, 
How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's the key, glorifying our Father in heaven. See, as we worship, glorify God with our actions, others can also be drawn to glorify God as well. Yeah, one of the main purposes of the church is to bring glory to its head. Who's the head of the church? Not the pastor. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's the head. We are his bride. We are part of the church. Uh, You know, all the different churches and things. We're part of the body of Christ. He is the head. And whatever we do in word, deed and action, we're called to bring glory to the head. As a wife brings glory to to the husband, we're called to do the same. Bring glory to our head, Jesus Christ, as a church and uh, as part of the corporate church I'm talking about. And uh, praise God. See, as we worship and glorify God with our actions, I already said that, didn't I? (laughs) Bring glory to his head, Jesus. Our obedience to live our life according to the pattern set by Jesus can and will inspire others to do the same. And even if it doesn't, God will still be pleased with our obedience. He'll be still pleased with us by our actions because the word says to do all that we do for God as if we're doing it unto God. And we've already heard that this morning. So praise God for that. And, but see, what we do, we do unto God. We don't do it for ourselves. And uh, he'll still be pleased if we're obedient, even if others don't use us for a pattern. And true worship is the recognition of who God is and who we are in relation to him. Who are we in relation to him? God is the creator of the universe. We are the created. And sometimes we can forget who we are, but when we worship God, we submit unto God, we yield, we surrender unto God, and then we realize that God is the creator, not the created. He is the creator. And we've got to remember that. Many people nowadays will worship the creation or the creature rather than the creator. We've called to worship the creator, the creator of everything that's in the earth. Now, what did we just read earlier? Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Everything. He created all that we see, all the things we probably don't see sometimes. He's created everything. And we've got to remember he is the creator, God the creator. See, true worship corrects the futility of man's desire to be independent and brings the realisation that we are totally in need of God for our existence. We need God to exist. See, God is totally independent of things outside himself. With mankind, it's different. We are dependent on God for our origin, for our life, and for our continued existence. We won't continue to exist without God. You know, we started with God. With our life now, we need God. And our continued existence, we need the living God. Every single one of us, we are dependent on God. See, we just need to realise it and humble ourselves and say, well, God, I surrender. You're the creator. You know, I'm going to worship and glorify you because you're worthy to be praised. Or I could put it this way. God doesn't need man for God to exist, but man needs God for man to exist. We can't 
exist without God. You know, God orders the steps of a man. I take my next breath right now because God allows it to happen. You know, God gives, God takes away. It's up to God how long I live on this earth. It's up to God how long you live on this earth. You know, I haven't got control over that. If man had control over that, then how evil would the world get? <laughs> when you think about it, there's a lot of, lot of dudes that have lived not real well. It's a good thing that some of them dropped off when you think about it. But see, in righteousness it's different. God has us for a plan. He has us for a purpose and they fulfill that purpose. There's many heroes of faith, many men and women of faith that haven't necessarily finished all that they could have done, but they have done what God has told them to do. So that's up to us. We have a time frame to do what God's called us to do and to praise him. Acts chapter 17. I want to turn to Acts chapter 17. I read from verse 22. Two. It says, Then Paul stood in the midst of the men of Athens and said, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with man's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of man to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of our own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly these things, these, sorry, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Eh? Sort of sums a fair bit up, doesn't it? God is worthy to be praised. Do we sometimes think about that? God alone is worthy to be praised. Who else can we praise but the living God? He has all authority. He has all power. Praise God that he does. See, verse 25 is talking about not, not he doesn't want to be worshipped with man's hands, whether by lifting them or creating something with them, whether that be a temple or whether it be some sort of carved or created image of God, God doesn't dwell there. His desire is to dwell in men's hearts. That's his desire. In other words, man can't create anything to worship God with or in. God has already created man to worship him. We already have all that God requires to be worshipped, us. God doesn't require anything else. There's nothing that we can make that we can better us. God made the best thing, the best gift, the best whatever word it is. I can't find the word. But he made it. We are what God has created. We are all that God wants to worship him. We don't need to make anything else to worship God because God made us. He doesn't want. We are the gift that God made, you know. 
we, he's a gift to us, but we are what God made to worship him. See, it's futile to create anything else. God has already provided all that he requires. Already. Just turn to the person next to you. He made me to worship. Tell the next person. He made me to worship him. He made us. Sometimes we don't feel like it. We say, oh, well, why would God make me to worship him? We're made in his image, his likeness. Other things will come and cloud that, but we are made, we are made in the image of God. Okay? He created us that way. He doesn't want anything else. How can we, who already created, create something else better than what God's created? We can't do that. So he's made us. See, we just need to prepare ourselves to worship God in spirit and in truth, not on the mountain, not just in One Life Church in Mudgee or Candos or anywhere else. You know, that's good to do that, to worship, but in our heart. See, not in the building alone, not with the building, but in and with our heart in spirit and in truth. See, we don't worship God with our possessions. We don't worship God, you know, just by being in the house. We need to be the house for God to dwell in. That needs to be us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He created us to worship, to glorify Him. We've just got to realise and prepare ourselves with it, spirit and in truth. John chapter 4 and verse 23 said, But the hour is coming and now is when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. That's when He met the Samaritan woman at the well. He was talking about, you know, the water of life and all those kinds of things. And they were talking about worship in Jerusalem and on the mountain. And Jesus said, that's what he said, there's a time coming when you're not going to worship in Jerusalem, you're not going to worship on the mountain, but you're going to worship in spirit and truth. And God is seeking such to worship him. He's seeking us to worship him in that spirit and in that truth. God is spirit. So how do we worship God? With our spirit. That's enlightening, isn't it? <laughs> fresh revelation I'm sure it's not but see spirit to spirit we worship God with our spirit but yes and out of our spirit there's a manifestation that everything we do naturally we worship God with as well but we connect with God with our spirit and so praise God see God the Father has a desire for us to worship him the question is do we have a desire to worship him it's up to us we can only answer that for ourselves. I can only answer, do I have a desire to worship God? You can only answer that for yourself. Do you have a desire to worship God with everything that we do, everything that we say, every part of us? Is everything that we do part of our worship of God? See, I can't answer that for anyone else by myself. But see, believers are not going to have a desire to worship God if they don't have a passion to do so. We need a passion. I know Ellen was talking about passion this morning. We need a passion to serve God, a passion, whatever we do. We have a passion in our workplace as well. Praise God. We've got to have a passion. It's nothing worse than someone being saying something or doing something the heart's not in it. If the heart's not in it, you know, what's the good of, of doing it if our heart's not in it? If our heart's not in the worship in God, why do we pretend that we do? Why would we do that? We wouldn't. So our heart's in it, our love for God's in our worship and all that we do. We need to be, you know, true to God. See, we'll worship what we, what we have the most passion and love for. That's what we'll worship. 
will worship anything and everything. What we, man will. Whatever he has the most passion for, the most love for. We choose what it is. See, a lot of the things we love, we worship, we have passion for, we believe we can't live without them. Actually, we can. There's a lot of stuff we can live without. We think that we need to have it. You know, we need this and we need that. And I'm sure, I, you know, you could think of plenty of examples of things and you say, well, actually, we can live without that. But the reality is there's one thing we definitely can't live without and that is the living God. We can't live without God. How can we live without God? We just can't. And we fail to worship him consistently. (laughs) I'm not consistent in worshiping God. Let the truth be known. I need to be consistent in worshiping God and all that I do and all that I am. What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, body, everything that you are. We can say the same about worship. Isn't it? We worship God with everything that we are. Okay? Let's see, we live, we breathe, we have our being because of God. That should be enough for us to worship him alone. See, he alone is worthy of our praise. Nothing else. That's the key. Nothing else. You think of the person that you love the most in this whole world and you think, well, I really need that person. The thing is, you need God more. That's the truth. Because no one else can take us into heaven except Jesus Christ. No one else can do that. Yes, we encourage one another. We help one another. We love one another. We do all sorts of things. But no one else can take us into heaven except Jesus Christ. That's the key. That's the answers. See, non-believers are not going to have a desire to worship God if they don't have an acknowledgement for the need of repentance. That's the message that we have. See, revelation is required that repentance comes before salvation. Repentance, without repentance, there is no salvation. As you read in verse 30, you know, commands all men everywhere to repent. Without repentance, there's no forgiveness, no remission of sins, no remission of sins, no salvation. There's plenty in the world that would believe they have salvation already. But if there's no repentance of sin, there is no salvation. That's the message that we have. We've got to get the message of truth out there. You know, that's part of our loving God is to love people enough to tell them the truth, not allow them to die and remain dead in their trespasses and sin, but to declare without repentance there is no remission of sins. And for us who believe, we need to have fruits worthy of repentance as well. So it's all sobering, it's all, all there. But see, I see that as part of my service for God. It talks about it in, in Romans chapter 12, about being a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service. That means if we're a believer, it's our, it's our reasonable service. It's reasonable to live our life according to God's ways. That's how I read those scriptures. And it says by being transformed by the renewing of your mind that we may prove what is the perfect and acceptable will of God. So it's coming to that transformation. There is a transference. We are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love, the kingdom of light. And we need to tell the world the message of the gospel that, hey, you need repentance. Without repentance, there is no forgiveness of sins. Yes, God loves the world. We know the scriptures, but it needs to be a repentance. And we need to love the world so much as well to declare the gospel message. There needs to be repentance. See, revelation is required of that. And let's turn to 2 Philippians chapter 5. Here we go. This is 
Christ's example of humility. He said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Praise the living God. See, we don't normally humble ourselves to someone or something we see as less powerful than yourself. We normally don't. Uh, if we're honest, well, if I'm honest, we may honour, respect, love someone we see lower than ourselves, but do we really humble ourselves? I'm sure if we searched our heart, we might be surprised what we find when it comes to humility. Maybe we're not as humble as we think we are sometimes. You know, when we search your heart, so it's a challenge. Humility is one of the biggest challenges in the whole Bible. And Jesus humbled himself to the point of death on the cross. See, I believe to worship God, we have to humble ourselves and acknowledge he alone is worthy to be praised. He alone is above us. That's the reason I believe some of the world, so much in the world, that they don't humble themselves to worship God because they dismissed him. They've dismissed his power. They have dismissed his authority. They have dismissed who God is. They have dismissed him as the creator and they see themselves more powerful than God. They see themselves as masters of their own destiny when our, really our destiny is in God's hands and we just have to place it there. It's up to us to do that. See, we've got to humble ourselves to worship God and to see that, hey, we're under God because we're created. Jesus' example of humility brought glory to God. Our examples of humility can bring glory to God as well. Our forgiveness of someone, our kindness, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, all those things, they can bring glory to God. As we started in Matthew, our light can shine so we can bring glory to God. We're not called to bring glory to ourselves. We're called to bring glory to God. We're not called to draw men to ourselves. We're not called to bring, called to, uh, bring men to the church. We're called to bring them to God. We're called to bring them to Jesus Christ. We use one another and help one another that we encourage one another that we share the gospel and share the news with one another to see people. See, out of Jesus' humility, he became highly exalted. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. In James and, and 1 Peter, it says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. We've got to see that God has all the power and all authority. That's why we worship him. You know, we're not above God. When man thinks he's above God, he ends up like the devil, doesn't he? You know, what did he do? I will ascend into heaven. I will do this. I will do something else. I will do something else. He forgot he was the created one. Hey, the devil didn't create God. God created the devil. He went AWOL. He went AWIRE or whatever it is. But the thing is, we have authority over the devil in Jesus Christ. Not by ourselves, 
but in him, in his name, as we just read, of those on the earth, under the earth and above the earth. We have authority in him, in his name. There's no other name under heaven on earth by which we can be saved. You know, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. I see Philippians chapter 2, 10 and 11, as we read out earlier, as something to take quite seriously. I believe if we don't bow our knee and confess Jesus as Lord voluntarily, then when it's compulsory, that is when he comes back, it'll be too late to be saved. We need to do it now. Bow our knee, confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour now to the glory of God. See, I mean, man is failing to see the power and authority that God has. Man has come, like I said earlier, too dismissive of God and lost the fear of God. Got to have the fear of God. Historically, man has been fearful of those who have power and authority. And I don't believe it's a good idea to dismiss the power and the authority of God. It's not a good idea. It won't end well. See, God turned King Nebuchadnezzar's opinion of him around with a demonstration of power and authority. Remember, they threw Shadmach, Reshach and Abednego into the fiery furnace. And then after they came out, King Nebuchadnezzar got all the people together and said, if anyone doesn't obey the God of Shadmach, Reshach and Abednego, they're going to be put to death. Then he said, for there is no other God who can deliver like this. No other God that can deliver like God delivered those three Hebrew lads out of the fiery furnace because of their faith, because they hadn't God. They said, we ain't worshiping a gold image. We're going to worship the living God. We're going to love the living God no matter what. See, that's what the determination. They were worshippers of God. They weren't worshippers of the natural. They weren't worshippers of something else and led King Nebuchadnezzar, who was going to kill them, to change his mind and says, no God can deliver like this God, the awesome God. That's why he's worthy to be praised. That's why the living God, you know, is the one that we worship because he's living and he gives life. You could be here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. You don't know him personally. You may not be born again of God's Spirit, the Bible says quite clearly to enter the kingdom of God, we need to be born again of God's Spirit. If that's you today and you know within your heart that you're not born again of God's Spirit. You haven't got the assurance of your salvation. Things we've been talking about this morning. I'd love to pray with you and lead you to Jesus Christ. There's no reason that you should leave this place today without knowing Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. As we read many times, there's salvation in no other name. There's no other name. No, other, no one else more powerful. No one else that has more authority than the living God. And he has delegated that to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the name that's above every name. 